Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us today. Dr. Virginia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just all the craziness of life is just, (laughs) you know, things just constantly going and and happening, but we are doing well. I'm just so glad that we get a chance to talk today. I feel like for some reason we, it's been a while since we've actually talked. Yeah, it has. We recorded a lot in advance. Yeah. We did because we we had a lot going on the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we had kind of done some things ahead of time. And so we are excited to be back together again today. Today is is an, another one of those topics that we we love. It's a, anytime we talk about educational principles, foundations of education, how kids learn, we get super geeky and we just <laughs> really enjoy it. And so what we thought we would talk about today are some of the basic foundations of learning that kids need to have in place before they can even start to really understand what you're teaching them before they're going to really be able Mm -hmm. to learn and understand um, the lesson. And so there are just some basic principles, basic things that need to be in place before learning can even happen. Mm -hmm. And if you've taken any education classes whatsoever, (laughs) you are very familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, And if you need kind of a reminder, it's the pyramid that you see in the the (laughs) textbooks that has uh, the, the bottom level, which is the basic foundation, and then it builds on what things children need to be able to learn. And so for Maslow's hierarchy, it starts with physiological because it starts with, you know, you can't be hungry, you can't be tired, you can't be cold, you know, those, those basic physiological needs that we have to have as human beings is sort of the, the basic foundation. And then he has safety, love and belonging, esteem, and then self-actualization. So what we're going to do today is we are going to take those basic hierarchy of needs from Maslow, but we're going to break them down a little bit more specifically and talk about some things that we can do in our classrooms, in our church setting to make the environment such that children can learn more effectively. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we can do as leaders, as teachers in a Sunday school Bible study classroom that's going to help kids learn better. So today we're going to start, we'll just start with a topic and we'll just kind of chat through them and, um, and talk about them sort of in order to kind of mm-hmm. follow Maslow's hierarchy, but not exactly. So it'll be kind of a little bit more generalization. But I think that the first thing that we have to talk about is the thing that's so hard for all of us to think about, and that's security. Mm-hmm. Um, kids need to feel safe to be able yes. to learn. Um, They need to know that their environment is safe. They need to know that they are in a place where they don't have to be nervous or worried. Mm -hmm. Um, I always think about like, if you are walking through 
a a parking garage in the middle of the night heading to your car when it's almost empty. Have have you ever done that? And then felt like, how do you feel when you do that? When you're hyper aware, you are, you just hypersensitive to everything around you. You really are because you know, it's that sense of like, you don't, it's, it's kind of dark and there's Mm -hmm. nobody around and you know, the movies have made us, you know, think that there's always somebody lurking around a corner (laughs) in a parking garage. And so it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where you just start to feel that nervousness build up in you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have that anxiety of just, am I in a safe place? Is this a safe thing that I'm doing? And that's what can happen when kids don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think too, um, observing our kids and, you know, th- there's a difference between like felt safety and physical safety, if that makes sense. Right. Like you can right. have all the right safety and security procedures. You can have you know, you're inside this safe building, there's no inclement weather, nothing's going on. But that doesn't mean that a child feels safe. Right. And so I think being aware of, um, and and there we'll get into this even more, um, you know, lots of ways to build trust and things like that. And just being aware of, of kids body language, and um, just cues about whether or not they feel comfortable and feel safe in your environment. Cause it's easy for us to be like, well, why like, you know, little Jimmy, like, why would you be scared to go to church? Like, why would you like everything's safe here? We're fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Jimmy feels safe in that environment. Right. Because you have to think about experiences that kids have Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. There are a lot of kids, especially in preschool ministry, that if they are at home with their parents each day, if they don't go to a, you know, a public preschool to a preschool mm-hmm. or they're not out a lot, then they aren't super familiar with other kids and they're not familiar with other locations because they're very used to being home. Mm-hmm. And so those kids are going to have different needs than mm-hmm. say the kids that maybe even come to your church preschool. And so they're in your building every single day mm-hmm. because they're very familiar with it. And so we need to be very mindful of that. We need to be mindful too of parents being nervous. If yeah. parents are nervous, then the kids are going to be nervous. They do. Mm-hmm. And so we always used to try to make sure that I was really aware if there was a parent that was struggling with the separation, mm-hmm. you know, giving them options, kind of helping them, process and helping them see what was you know done in our classrooms to keep the kids safe and right. always tried to do little things like even occasionally if I had a parent that was really struggling I might take a picture of their child you know yeah. once they've calmed down and started playing yes. and and e- either text, text it, it to or, them. or take mm-hmm. it to them to just say see I just wanted you to see Tommy is yeah. great and he's having a good time and he was you know just so that that just sort of goes that extra mile to relieve mm-hmm. their fears yes. but to not just kind of dismiss it because we're so used to it we're so familiar I've, I've seen a lot of children's ministers that kind of say oh well this is no big deal why are you so stressed about you mm-hmm. know like and kind of kind of just push it to the side when mm-hmm. it can really be an issue because we want the kids to feel safe Absolutely. And and that comes along with some of the other things that we've talked about in other episodes where we have classrooms that are age appropriate mm-hmm. and toys that are age appropriate. And we've made sure that the classrooms have safe equipment and not anything that would be too overwhelming or too scary for the kids so that mm-hmm. that way, when they're in the classroom, they feel that sense of safety. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And so you actually led us straight into the next one, which <laughs> the next one is trust. Yeah. You know, the kids need to be able to trust you. Mm -hmm. If they don't trust you, they're not going to learn from you because they need mm -hmm. to know that what you say is true. Mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about this in other episodes before too, just talking about how that we want to make sure that everything we say to the kids for anything is going to be something honest and something true. Mm -hmm. And so that they can, if they believe everything we say, then they are also going to believe what we tell them about God and Jesus and love. And so we want to make mm -hmm. sure that we are trustworthy. And so yeah. that means that we have to make sure that we're not saying things that the kids are going to find to be false. Like one of the things that I've heard a lot of teachers will say are things like, okay, if everybody can get the room cleaned up in five minutes, then we'll go outside to the playground, mm. but it'd be super close to the end of the you know session. Right. And I've had leaders say to me before, oh, they're not going to remember that I said that. It's no big deal. Oh, they're yeah, going to they remember. Will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to forget that. And yeah. so when they can't trust you for those little things, mm -hmm. then it's going to be hard for them to trust you for the bigger things. Mm -hmm. so, and I mean, and that's a biblical principle. I mean, God, yeah. you know, wants to entrust us with small things first and then big things next. And right. so, I mean, that's, that's a biblical principle of being trustworthy in the small things. And right. so that we can prove ourselves trustworthy in the big things as well. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. And I think it's really funny too, because I had, I'll never forget, I had one of the, the uh, college students that came to teach in a, in a preschool classroom one time. And it was during the holidays. I don't know if it must've been like maybe our Christmas event or something. And he was doing the Bible story, but he was talking about the wise men coming and he just had this panic of a, it, he just forgot and instead of saying gold, frankincense, and myrrh, he just made up three things. Like he was like gold and, you know, cinnamon and, you know, like, <laughs> oh, exactly he's just trying emeralds. to like figure it out. He just yeah. Like made, you know, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, let's stop for a second. And he was like, oh, you know, they're, they're kindergartners. They, it doesn't matter. You know, they won't, they don't know. And so I, I, it was one of those moments where I had this opportunity to explain, you know, it's better for you to tell the kids you don't remember something or you yeah. don't know something yeah. than it is to just make up a, a story or just yeah. to, to, to say, because you're, because you don't want to say you don't know. So you just sort of make up something and you think, but it's really, really important that we're very honest with the kids and it's okay to say you don't know, or you don't remember something, or if they mm -hmm. ask a question, that's really hard to say, you know, that's a really hard question. I'm not sure. I'll have to find out that answer and get back to you. Absolutely. The next on this list of needs for children to be able to learn is acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is something that sometimes we don't process through enough as leaders. And a lot of it's because of our time. We just are rushed and we have a lot of kids and we're in a hurry uh, but it's really important that our kids feel accepted, mm -hmm. that they feel like that this is, you know, their church too, that they're, you know, that this is their classroom, that this is, you know, they're in a place where people care for them no matter what. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as a teacher, that's really hard because you can have those kids that are really challenging and so yes. you can have these relationships with some of the kids where you feel like you're constantly negative 
where you're constantly them. having to get onto them and redirect. And yeah. yeah. And so you're just constantly, and we don't make sure we're taking the time to make them feel good about something. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's finding those opportunities where you can praise them for things mm-hmm. that they are doing correctly, that you can, you know, encourage them and say mm-hmm. something, you know, positive to them, say something, um, you know, talk to them about something, you know, from their school day or something that, you know, that they like, or something that, you know, you know, ask them questions, you know, let them know um, that you have these moments with them that are not just always correction, Mm -hmm. but are also accepting them for being Mm -hmm. there. And I think one of the ways that this comes to is that I, I, I remember when I was younger and you would have like a little girl that would walk into the classroom and she'd be wearing like a really pretty dress, you know, mm-hmm. with all the little frills and the little hat that matches yes. and all those kinds of things. And you just look at them and you go, oh, you look so pretty today. I love your dress. You look so pretty. But when you say that to one that's coming in and then you have another child that comes in wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts and not necessarily having her hair just so and so perfect mm-hmm. and you don't say something to her that automatically gives a child that feeling of, well, she was more accepted, more welcomed into the room than I was because she is dressed a certain way or she has certain qualities that made her, you know, noticed. Mm -hmm. And so if we can make sure that we are making a big deal out of all of the kids that walk into the room, no matter Mm -hmm. how they look or how they're dressed or how they behave, but showing them that they are accepted for who they are. And I think if you can, even with, when we talk about challenging students, even with the most challenging students, if we can identify and recognize, verbally recognize to that child positive attributes about themselves and their behavior, um, even the most challenging child has something positive yes. that we can point out to mm-hmm. them. Right. Man, you are such a hard worker. I see that you are working on trying to build this tower and it keeps falling over and you are just working very hard on it. Great job. Keep working hard. You know, I, you are, thank you for being so kind. Thank you for, Mm -hmm. you know, helping out Susie when she couldn't, you know, reach this thing and, and you handed it to her. Thank you. And so Mm -hmm. looking for those positive attributes and naming them and valuing them to the child um, is so, so important. And, and even to go back to the whole comments on the girl who comes in in the pretty dress that e- even for her, like, is that, is that all she is? is a pretty right. dress, right? You know, like she's like a clothes right. hanger, right? you know, not that we ever mean for it to come across no. that way. No, but a lot of times it just m- comes out before we can. Yeah. Think. It yeah. Does. yeah, it does. But the more that we can recognize attri- attributes about them mm-hmm. and about their personality and about, you know, that the actions they take or the decisions they make, the more that we can make it personal to them and who they are, mm-hmm. um, the more accepted they will feel and the right. more, um, I think, impactful um, our, our comments can be because we're, because we're not just, because we're seeing them as a person and we want these kids to feel seen as people, as individuals, 
um, who do bring something valuable to the table, even right. if they do take a lot of redirection. Well, that's <laughs> so. it. it is, you know, even, even the most challenging yeah. of our children are children of God. And we Amen. need to remember who they are and what God has called them to be. And we are not a school setting. We mm -hmm. want them to learn. We want them to have fun. Yes. But we also want them to want to come to church. Amen. And so Amen. we have that fine line that we need to walk where we want to make sure everyone is safe and we yes. want to make sure that everyone's respected and shown kindness and that there are boundaries in our classroom. And we'll talk about that mm -hmm. in just a minute. But we also want to make sure that all of the children know that they are welcome. And I know that yes. that can be really, really hard when it is a challenging child. But I think that that's the important thing that we can do for that child, more important than even necessarily some of the things that we're going to be teaching them about the Bible. It's just letting them know that church is a place that accepts them. Yes. No matter what. Amen. And so I think that's why that's so important. Well, and, and I think acceptance always leads us straight into the next is that, that a child needs to feel loved. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I always try to remember is that sometimes church is the only place where a child mm. will feel loved. Yeah. You know, I mentioned before that for me as a kid, church was my happy place. It was my safe place. And it was the one place that mm. I felt cared for and noticed. And, and so you have those Mm -hmm. opportunities with kids mm -hmm. that maybe don't feel that sense of love anywhere mm -hmm. else in their lives. Mm -hmm. They can feel that at church and that can have a huge impact on them as they grow. Amen. Well, and I think we have opportunities to show children love in so many ways. A lot of it just comes from really just paying attention to them, really mm -hmm. noticing them, letting them know that you see them and that you care about them giving them a high five, you know, encouraging them, taking time with them, those kinds of things can mm -hmm. show love. Well, and that, you know, leads me to think about the five love languages, not that you have to set every child in your class down and do an inventory or, or anything like that, <laughs> but just being cognizant that we have our own preferred ways of showing love. Um, children have their own preferred ways of receiving it. And so, you know, I may not be a big like words of affirmation pe person, but there are kids in your class who are. Right. And so being intentional in in still trying to, you know, give words of affirmation or mm -hmm. just being intentional um, in the ways that we interact with kids mm -hmm. um, and being sensitive, you know, especially to those who are maybe more more difficult and who are more challenging Right. And, you know, that behavior could just be evidence of just like what you're saying, like they're mm -hmm. coming to church to be loved. Um, and so being sensitive to that and just being aware mm -hmm. um, of our kids. It's true because everyone shows love in different ways. And mm -hmm. so for me, I, I am a hugger. You know, it, it, it mm -hmm. doesn't bother me if somebody, you know, gives me a hug, if somebody puts their hand on my shoulder or something when they're talking to me, that that type of thing doesn't typically bother me. But I know that there's a lot of people like, for example, my husband is not a hugger. So if like somebody at church comes up and wants to give him a hug, <laughs> he tends to like take a step back. 
not because he's being rude, but just because that's just not his typical right. way of showing affection. Right. And so to, to, especially to people that he doesn't know very well. And so we just need to remember that, that our kids are very different. And some kids may really struggle if you're trying to give them a hug or if you want to put your arm around them or something like that, that, that may not be where they're comfortable. And we always want to make sure kids feel very safe. And so one mm -hmm. of the things that I work really hard to do with kids is to do more fist bumps, more high fives, mm -hmm. you know, like letting the kid kind of lead in that way as to how they show affection or how that they choose to, sh to show affection. And so I always thought it was really cool um, in the, you see some videos of on, on the internet of like classroom teachers mm -hmm. that have that little list like on the front special, of the classroom. Yeah. They can do a dance, they can do a high five, or they can yeah. do a side hug, or they can, you know, so they let the kids choose like what right. they want for that day to welcome them into the classroom. And I, I know we, we don't have time in church to do that kind of thing because we only have them for an hour. And so we can't right. spend a lot of time with that. But the idea, I think, is really great. And the mm -hmm. idea of that you're you're letting the child lead. We never force mm -hmm. a child to hug. We never force a child to, right. to, you know, sit on a lap or to do anything like that. We, it's it's better for us to just try to show that love in the ways that you're talking about, in words of affirmation, in mm -hmm. encouragement, in the way that you spend time with them, looking in their eyes when they when they're speaking, getting I, I down actually, on their level, kneel, uh, kneel down I, or sit down I, in a chair. Mm -hmm. I had a mom one time get upset with me because one of the things that I always did was when the kids were, were coming into the classroom, I would get down. That was back in the mm -hmm. days when I could get down easier than I can now. <laughs> um, but I would, I would, you know, bend down and I would look at the child's level and I would mm -hmm. say, you know, good morning, Tommy. I'm so glad you're here today. Come on in. And then I would stand up and say, good morning you know, to the parent. Right, right. And I had a, a mom one time that says, you know, I think it's very rude that you speak to the child before you speak to me. And I said, actually, that's very intentional on my part because, you know, you have all of these other places in church where people are going to be talking to you and noticing you and, and, and having conversations with you. But this is the one place where this is Tommy's space. Like this is where mm -hmm. he gets the attention. So I usually did my best to try to talk to the child first before mm -hmm. I talked to the parent, just because I wanted the child to feel special in just sort of a little, maybe even a knowing way that mm -hmm. I gave him my attention first. And then mm -hmm. I spoke to the parent. Well, that makes me feel better in a way because, you know, I'm, I'm in the preschool world right now. <laughs> so, like anytime people bring in a baby, I'm like, like, Oh baby. hi, <laughs> la, 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 la. And they're like, Oh, hi mom and dad. <laughs> so, like I kind of joke about it. <laughs> But it's just like, you know, I don't, no, so that, that makes me feel a little better about just my automatic, you know, yeah. talking to babies before right. I talk to parents. Well, if you think about <laughs> it, especially for preschoolers, parents yeah. are always talking to adults that are up Huge. here yeah. talking to each other and the child is just sort of down there waiting, you know, waiting yeah. to go someplace or waiting to be taken somewhere or waiting to be talked to. And mm -hmm. so I just always wanted the kids to feel like they because they were, they're my priority. I was yes. their minister. Like I yeah. was the person that was making that connection with them first. And so I wanted them to feel that acceptance from me, but that love from me that they Amen. knew that they were important to me. Amen. And so it's those little things I think that we can do that can do that. Well, and two, also going back to, this is something that you, I've heard you say about when it comes to like physical affection. I remember you've talked about like head, shoulders, arms. Mm -hmm. um, whenever we do want to 
like show some sort of physical affection, keeping it sort of in that zone. Um, So, you know, like you said, fist bumps or a side hug around the shoulders. Yes. A pat on the head. That's a little condescending, but. um. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's, it's, again, it's, there's moments of certain, you know, like where things are appropriate or where things aren't and where you can kind of, but it is that idea of wanting to make sure Mm -hmm. that not only you are maintaining your boundaries for your own safety and for Mm -hmm. anyone watching on, you know, you want to make sure that you are being as appropriate as you possibly can be. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, like I said, not making the kids feel uncomfortable Absolutely, Um, because I was, I was never one of those moms that said that made my child hug or give somebody a kiss just because Like I said, my husband was, is, is not super comfortable with that. And I thought, you know, I never wanted to force her to feel like that she had to show that affection if she mm-hmm. didn't, you know, feel like she wanted to show that affection. Mm-hmm. And so it was always just something that was really mindful with me through my ministry too, was that you just, you never Absolutely. know what kids are going through and what's happening. And so you want to just be super mindful. Um, and I think that that's why, like for me to, to try to do my best to, if I want to, you know, interact with a child for me to get on their level, not for yes. me to bring them up to mine. Yes. You know, I tried not to put them on my lap. I tried not to pick them up. Amen. Like, you know, if I could from it, just because mm-hmm. I wanted them to have their personal space and mm-hmm. I wanted to find ways that I could interact with them in mm-hmm. the safest possible way for them Absolutely. and for the ministry. So absolutely all right well the next one is is the next two actually i always think is is are kind of interesting because they sound like they're actually opposite kinds of things but they actually are not <laughs> the next one we're going to talk about is freedom and this is actually i know sounds strange in a classroom where you're kind of in control of everything that's going to happen mm-hmm. you don't want kids just running around doing whatever they want to do that's not what we were mm-hmm. talking about when we say freedom but mm-hmm. it helps the child when they have the opportunity to make choices. Yes. Then they feel a sense of being able to do things on their own mm-hmm. and that they have the ability to be able to do things on their own. And they've had the ability to make some choices. And so that right. gives them this sense of freedom where they're not being forced to do absolutely everything in the classroom, Mm -hmm. but they're given the opportunity to pick and choose some things to do so that they have a sense of control and they have Mm -hmm. that sense of, you know, I'm, I have a little bit of freedom in this classroom. And part of that comes from being able to offer several different things to do in the classroom. Like Mm -hmm. for example, if you have a preschool setting where you have centers Mm-hmm. and you have several different activities going on, then you can allow the child to choose certain activities to do. They can choose the rotation that they're going to. And that gives them that sense of, of freedom where they get to pick what they're going to do today. Are they going to go to the book center? or Are they going to go um, to the puzzles? Or are they going to go? So it does give them, I, I've always found that especially helpful with children that are challenging in the mm-hmm. classroom, that if you can give them options Mm-hmm. They feel a little bit more control and a little mm-hmm. bit more freedom. Absolutely. Well, and it's just, it's giving them appropriate independence within, within the correct boundaries. And so it does. So giving them that little bit of um, independence and autonomy over their own decisions and over their own, you know, what they want to do. So absolutely. 
So it's nice to be able to do that, to be able to have those opportunities for maybe a little bit of free play within what you have set out for them. You know, it it helps the kids don't even really realize that you're teaching them a lesson sometimes when you have certain specific things out for free time that they can do so that you can still connect them to your Bible thought, that you can still connect them to something important from the lesson or to a Bible Mm -hmm. verse but they're actually having those options to be able to do that. And then that actually leads to the next thing that we go from freedom. We go into guidance (laughs) and kids do need guidance. You Mm -hmm. can't have just free play for the entire classroom time, Mm -hmm. because if you do that, then they aren't making the biblical connections. They aren't Mm -hmm. learning. They're just playing. And we only have this very limited amount of time with them. So we want to give them guidance. Mm -hmm. Kids need a structure. Mm -hmm. They need guidance. They feel safer when they have structure. And so they can focus more on learning when they have been given guidance and when they have been Mm -hmm. given limits and they have parameters that they meet. Um, It does help them to be able to learn better. And I think too, it's like we, as adults, we forget and take for granted that as kids, I mean, they have to learn everything, everything about appropriate social interaction, everything about other people's expectations of you, other people's expectations of your behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's easy for us as adults to forget that we at times we have to give kids a lot of guidance because they're still learning. They're still learning what it is to, how how to be a friend, how to be a student, how to sit in class, what teachers want or what, you know? And so I think it's easy for us to forget that there's this whole plethora, this whole world of expectations of other people for our behavior that kids are learning. And so, um, you know, being intentional. One of the things that I do every single week is I always repeat our expectations, our classroom expectations every single week. And I mean, I would do this with elementary age children. And I know that um, it can seem, especially to adults, so redundant and so repetitive, but that's how kids learn. It is. You may have visitors. I mean, we have visitors every week who it's their first time to our church. And so how do they know what is expected at our church if I don't tell them? And so, you know, making those expectations clear and making those guidelines and giving that guidance Mm -hmm. just because kids are still learning all of this stuff. (laughs) And that I think is a big thing you just mentioned when you talk about visitors coming and you're talking about kids Mm -hmm. that we don't know what backgrounds they come Mm -hmm. from. This may be the first time they've ever walked into a church in their entire lives. They may not know what's appropriate behavior for church and what is not. And, and even if they do come into our church setting, often we don't know what their home setting is like and what's allowed and what's not, you know, because I've, I've had, you know, you know, parents before say things like, oh, it's okay for, you know, our kids to do this at our house. We let them do that. And so I have to go back and say, I appreciate that. But because we have so many kids here, you know, we, we can't throw our blocks you know, in class here. (laughs) So, you know, so we, we have to be a little bit more mindful. So, you know, so Tommy's not going to be able to do that when he comes in this room, but, you know, but he can do that at home whenever he, you know, is at home. And so it's setting those guidelines. And I know, and it's funny because I know a lot of people think, well, that isn't, you know, why would a parent, they really do. Some people's homes are very different (laughs) 
than what your home might be. And so we have to remember that just because we would not have something in our home, a certain rule or something, that doesn't mean that everybody is like that. And we can't expect kids to automatically understand the difference between home and church. So uh, having those basic rules, you know, we keep our hands to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, we don't yell at our friends, you know, just some of these, you know, basic Mm -hmm. classroom rules. Yep. And, and going over them, you know, at the beginning of each class time, just to remind them, just, to, you know, have them help you tell it, have them, yes. you know, come up with a way to do yes. it. It's fun. But yes. you know, going over those expectations every time is a really smart thing to be able to do. And it helps kids remember, oh, yeah, I can't do that here. Like I have mm-hmm. to, you know. Mm-hmm. be reminded that I can't do this particular thing at church mm-hmm. that I might do someplace else. And so, yeah, so that guidance is super important. Absolutely. And, so, and when we're talking about guidance too, and again, this one kind of leads us straight into the next one. Our next one is independence and kids do need guidance, but they do need to have a sense of being able to do things on their own. Mm-hmm. I, I've always said, if I'm walking down a, a hallway and I see artwork that teachers have set outside the classroom, mm-hmm. you know, to be picked up after the session. And let's say that they were, they were making fish, like they were drawing fish. And I see eight perfectly shaped fish with the <laughs> eyes exactly where they're supposed to go. And the fins uh, all going in the same direction. There is one thing I know when I see that. That is that the teacher has done all that work. Things. The teachers have done these crafts. They are the ones that have, you know, they've made sure that the kids have done every little thing just right. And I Mm -hmm. always tell the teachers, as much as I love you, Tommy's mom doesn't want to put your fish on their refrigerator (laughs) when she gets home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She wants Tommy's fish that might be the wrong color with the eye in the wrong place and the fins turn the wrong direction. And that's okay. Yes. It's okay. It's okay if they color the grass blue and the sky green. You know, it's it it doesn't in the big picture mm-hmm. <laughs> because we are not we we are not their classroom school teacher. Right. We are, you know, enjoying our time with them. We're teaching them about the love of God. We're teaching them our Bible stories, but we're letting them independently do activities on their own mm-hmm. and to be able to, to finish their own piece of artwork in the way that they want to. And so, you know, obviously there are certain things that you want to make sure that they're doing appropriately. We don't want them breaking crayons or doing, you know, so when we say independence, we're not saying let them do whatever like they want to do. Right. But what we are saying is that they do have the ability to make mm-hmm. choices about how they draw things or how they put things together or how they do things so that they have that sense of independence, that they did it themselves, you know, yes. that they can say, you know, I did this myself. And so that it can be, you know, their artwork. And it's all right if, you know, it's not spelled correctly. It's okay if it mm-hmm. doesn't look exactly like you thought that it would. Um, parents don't want the perfect picture. They want what their child has done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is something it's interesting because this is something I try to be intentional about in my parenting. And then, but then also it spills over to working with kids at church, just being intentional to not like jump in and help them with things. Right. Um, Let them decide that they want my help. Um, So even if they are, you know, we're building the tower of Babel and they're struggling to build the block tower. I don't want to just jump in and like fix the base of the tower for them. I want to let them 
have as much opportunity as possible to do this independently and be available whenever, if they do ask for help or if they do need help, but you know, it's okay to let kids, you know, struggle. It's okay to let kids, um, exercise persistence and exercise hard work. Even if we see the solution, let them work on it, try it out. Um, and then if they ask us for help, obviously we want to help them and we want to support them, but just give them the opportunity to just try and experiment and, and kind of figure it out on their own. So, right. Because that's how we learn, right. When we, yeah. when we do things yeah. on our own, when we do things, um, even as adults, like I always, I, I pick on my husband all the time because he's a computer guy and I am not a computer person. <laughs> and so I will ask him often, like, can you show me you know, can you help me learn how to do something? Can you show me how to do this? And he's just like, sure. And he'll just kind of take it and do it. And I'm like, wait, no, I, I don't want you to do it. I want you to show me how to do it so that next time I can do it myself. Yes. And so that's that, that same kind of idea of like, you know, helping kids. And I, I think that leads very well into the last point, which is accomplishment. Mm -hmm. You know, we want kids to have independence so that they can feel a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. when they are working with how they're learning, because when mm -hmm. they feel that sense of accomplishment, they, they feel that pride, but they feel that confidence and they understand yeah. things better. They like, accept things better. They know I can that do they this. Yeah. Can do it. Yeah. I yeah. can learn this. I can do this. And so that's what makes having age appropriate activities mm -hmm. so very important. Yes. Because like you said, you want to you want them to try things on their own and they mm -hmm. might need your help a little bit to be able to learn how to do something. But you don't want it to be something that they don't have the ability to do at yes. all. Yes. Because then there's going to be a real sense of frustration there. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I experienced this myself at a conference. I was attending a conference and the sweet conference leader had put these little puzzles together and, and they, div she divided us into groups and she each gave, she gave each one of us a puzzle, each group a puzzle, and we were supposed to work the puzzle. And then when the puzzle was completed, it had her points for the conference on it, you know, so that that way we were active and we were doing something. She wasn't just reading from a PowerPoint, you know, she was giving us an activity to do and it was a lot of fun. And so we were working together to do it. And I, we just could not get our puzzle together. Like we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't do it. And we kept trying oh. and we kept trying. And so finally she just kind of looked and she went, oh, okay, you guys just don't worry about it. We're just going to move on. Cause obviously we needed to move on right. because she needed to make her points because we, you know, and a conference is an hour long. And so she, you know, just started talking, but my brain yes. was really frustrated yes. because I couldn't figure out why we couldn't work the puzzle. Yeah. And so while she was talking, you know what I was doing, you were working on the puzzle. I was still fiddling <laughs> with the puzzle because I had this feeling of frustration in me yes. of like, why can I not figure this out? And so my brain was just on that one thing and I didn't hear it. Well, it turned out she, when she was putting her conference back together from the last time she had put different puzzle pieces in different bags. Yeah, so so we actually didn't up. have our puzzle. Mm -hmm. We had half of our puzzle and half of another puzzle. Oh, They happened yeah. to be similar colors. So it looked like they were going to fit oh. together, but they actually didn't fit together. 
And so that was the reason why we couldn't do it. But the the process in my brain was the same. Like it made me kind of realize if you can't just tell a child, don't Mm -hmm. worry about that. We're moving on Mm. because our brains tend to want to complete. We want to resolve it. Yeah. We we want to finish. Mm -hmm. We want to feel successful at it and not get frustrated because even if you can pull a child away from an activity that actually is not age appropriate so that they couldn't complete it. Like if it was Mm -hmm. a puzzle that was too difficult for them, even Mm -hmm. if you are able to get their attention away and you're able to move them onto the next thing, they're still going to feel that frustration of not being able to complete something that you had originally told them they were going to be able to do. And so that's why it's so important for us to make sure that we're using age appropriate material with the kids, Mm -hmm. that they are using age appropriate, you know, materials, activities, that the, the, Mm -hmm. the work that you're giving them is age appropriate and that they can do. And that Mm -hmm. also means that it might be their developmental level as well. So Mm -hmm. if you have a child that's in second grade and you have several strong readers in there, but you have one child that's maybe not as strong of a reader, you don't want to point that out or pull that out. And so that's one of the reasons like, it doesn't matter if I'm working with second grade or if I'm working with sixth grade, I ask for volunteers to read. Yes, I never say, Virginia, will you read Mm -hmm. the next verse? Not only because I don't necessarily know Virginia's reading level, but also I don't know Virginia's comfort level with reading out loud. Mm-hmm. Plus a lot of times verses have some very complicated words in them yeah. and names in them. Propitiation. We just don't want to frustrate mm-hmm. our kids and we want them to have a great feeling of accomplishment. And so if I have other kids that volunteer to read, then I let them read. And then I mm-hmm. give Virginia a different job to do. Mm-hmm. I may ask her to, to go, you know, pick up something from the other side of the room to bring to me, or I may ask her to write something on the board. If I know that she likes to do that because I've watched the kids and I kind of know the ones that like to do things and ones that like to do other things, but Mm -hmm. I try really hard not to ever put them on the spot with something that they might not be able to do on their Mm -hmm. own because I don't ever want them to have that sense of embarrassment and frustration. I want Mm -hmm. them to have that sense of this is a place I can come and I can be myself and I can, can, and and I'm accepted for myself. Even if I can't do something, I'm not going to be forced into doing something that I don't do well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it's not our job to teach them that it's not our job to teach them how to read. It's not our job to help them, you know, write. It's not our job to help them do those things because we're their Sunday school, their Bible study teacher. We're not their classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. And so it's our responsibility to make sure they feel that sense of accomplishment. Um, I think the thing that we just need to remember the most is that we want to make sure that our church is an environment that kids love to mm-hmm. come to. Amen. But we also want to make sure that while we have them, that they're learning about God, that they're learning about mm-hmm. the word of God, that they are having time with the Bible, that they're having time with these mm-hmm. stories because they're not going to get that necessarily anywhere else they're going to be for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we have a loving, accepting environment, but that we are actually purposefully teaching them something incredibly yes. important. And yes. there's a big balance to that. And it takes a lot of thought and time, but hopefully thinking through some of these things that are just needed, the things that our kids need to be able to learn will help you make a more successful classroom setting for your kids. 
Well, Dr. Virginia, this has been fun today. I love talking educational concepts with you. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) We always hit, like I said, all of our geeky points that we love, but um, (laughs) we are just so grateful, friends, that you chose to take some time to spend with us today. And we hope that our information today was helpful to you and encouraging to you because we are just trying to meet you where you are. That is our sole and only purpose here. And so we would love to hear from you. Please um, like and subscribe and all the things. If you could let us know if there's certain topics that you would like to hear us discuss, we would love that very much because we want to find the things that are going to be the most helpful for you. And we will be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.